Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Reactive Redefined and the group coaching program will reopen for enrollment on Monday, August 1st. If you could use more immediate support for your reactive dog, be sure to join the free mini course over on our website, agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. You can also invest in the self-guided version of Reactive Redefined and gain access to our comprehensive course content to get the ball rolling before we can support you one-on-one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I have one of my lovely Reactive Redefined students with me today, and she has taken time out of her busy schedule to tell you about her experience inside of Reactive Redefined. And I think you all are really going to love her story. Okay, so Christine, can you introduce your girl to the world? Tell us the details, her age, her breed, where she came from. She came from a faraway place, didn't she? <laughs> yes, she did. Yes. Thanks, Rachel. This is really exciting. Um, so yes, my dog's name is Shushi, not to be confused with Sushi, although she <laughs> under at this point she understands both. So uh yeah. <laughs> She's uh one and a half years old. We did do a DNA test for her because just because she is a mix and a rescue, so we wanted to know what her breed was, and it said West Asian village dog. Um, which, which essentially is a very fancy way of saying her DNA is so diluted and, you know, a generation of rescue street dogs. So they're not really sure what she is. Um, but she basically looks like a black and white Aussie. Yes. Yeah. It, it definitely behaves like one too. So yes. Um, and we got her from Armenia. My husband and I rescued her from there. We're both Armenian and there was long story short, there was a war going on and, you know, we were sending donations to help people and we're like, what else can we do? And we're like, let's get a dog. Um, which was, we knew we would have a lot on our hands, but it's been, it's been very interesting. Yeah. Right. Okay. So how old was she when she came to you? She was five and a half months old when she came to us. Yes. So she was picked up off the streets at one and a half months old, stayed with a foster until five and a half months old, and then came to America. Um, and during that time frame, actually, where she was staying with the foster, um, she did not really go outdoors much, okay. which, you know, that being our first dog, we didn't really realize the impact it would have. Um, but it's had a big impact. <laughs> yeah right oh my god all the things you learn after the fact like oh this is why you are like this okay yeah. okay this makes sense okay so tell everyone a little bit about kind of her her early days and then as she kind of started to mature behaviors you saw and then behaviors that started to come up yeah sure so I mean initially when we first got her she was obviously a little scared um, but nothing, you know, that was out of the ordinary. It's something that we expected to happen the first day we got her. We were able to actually give her a bath the first night and she was great. Um, so things were, things were going pretty great. She was very, you know, aroused and alert and wanted to sniff everything. And I could tell on the walk, she was a little weird. Like she didn't really know, I guess, how to walk properly just cause she hadn't been on a leash much. Um, 
So yeah, the beginning was okay. It was everything seemed, I guess, fairly normal in our eyes. Um, she was just exploring the new world. Um, the reactivity didn't really start until later. I guess maybe once she got adjusted and comfortable, then we started to notice things. Then things started setting her off. Bikes, which she probably had never seen in her life, was like horrendous for her. Um, dog reactivity also came later. Things started unfolding much later than we realized. And we're like, oh, shoot, we think this is a problem. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. And I think that this is something that happens to so many of us, right? Like we have the best intentions. We bring these dogs into our lives and they're young and we're like, oh my God, we are badass dog trainers. Like this dog is doing so good. And then things kind of start to unravel. And then we start to question ourselves. Like, do we know that much stuff about dog training? Right? Like, (laughs) yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing I'm happy that we did in the beginning, I wish we had looked into it more and maybe like seriously honestly taken like a week off of work and like spent time you know done all those things now looking back you know we should have done those but we did do obedience classes like almost immediately so that was definitely good because it laid some of the foundation um but of course you know once the trigger started coming it was a different story right right okay and then the obedience class that you taught was the positive reinforcement Yes, she does positive reinforcement. Yeah. So it was, I mean, learning the basic sit, stay, settle, you know, all those things. But yeah, she only believed in positive reinforcement. Well, so good, right? That like you had that, that foundation right from the get. Okay. So she's starting to mature and you're starting to notice more of the reactivity. So bikes definitely became abundantly clear dogs but then there were also some sketchy people feelings that started to show up yeah 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 definitely so you know of course we're excited that we got this new dog we want to take her to see my family um she did it's interesting it's very selective with her she did great with my parents my mom and my dad she did great with one of my brothers my other brother not so much both of my uncles I mean, for lack of a better word, she hated, but what I really mean is that she was really scared of them. Right. Um, And just to give you some background, I know, you know, but just so the listeners know, um, most of the men in my family are over six feet tall. So we started noticing a theme from our walks, you know, introducing her to family members, taller men, I guess, more muscular men. And especially if they're wearing a hat or dark clothing, those, we started noticing those patterns actually with your help too, through reactive redefined. So that was good. Yeah. Right. Okay. So after you took the, the obedience class, did you work with the trainer in person for the reactivity? Um, we did do, she had another trainer at her facility. She was very busy with her one-on-one, so I couldn't get it in with her, but she had another trainer at the facility and we did a couple one-on-ones with her. But at that point, the reactivity wasn't full blown at that point. It was just towards bikes or, you know, something moving faster, like a kid running. So I, we didn't really notice it with people at that point. Yeah. Right. Okay. So tell the listeners, what was appealing to you about reactive redefined? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, other than all the good reviews that I've read and just looking at your posts and seeing the way that you approach it, um, I do believe in positive um, training. I do believe in that. Um, And 
I just, you know, I kept seeing videos that you're uploading and I read about the course and the things that you offer and not to mention the price point was great. It was very fair for everything that we're getting. I, I have to say that too. Um, and I did like the idea of having the group calls. Um, I thought that was good because you learn so much from them. You also don't feel alone. So there's a lot of good things that come from it. Um, and, you know, I saw that Shushi, I feel like you can tell, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you can tell when a dog, I guess, is innately aggressive and maybe like that's just, I don't know, the way they are. I can tell that she's not like that. I can tell that she's working through things in her head. It's just going to take time and I can tell she wants to be better. Right. Right. Well, and I think it's one of those things too, right. That like going through social maturity for a dog who came from essentially wild genetics, right. Like wild dog population of the world. Right. Yeah. Then missed out on early socialization. Like, of course she's displaying these behaviors, right. Like when you look at it on paper, it's like, Oh yeah. mm -hmm, Yep. Okay. This led exactly to where we are right now. And I think that, you know, of course, every dog is capable of being aggressive, but Shushi has shown you in so many circumstances how social she can be with both dogs and people, right? So it's one of those that like you would acknowledge if she really, truly couldn't handle it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, cool. You can just never be around tall dudes. That's fine. But she's not really at that point. It's not that we need to be like, okay, cool. We're modifying everything for her. It's just about kind of rearranging the order of events and making sure she has appropriate coping mechanisms so that she can slowly, but surely start to create more positive associations with some of the men that she's exposed to. Right. Exactly. Um, And, you know, you know, a lot of owners, they want to, I mean, to no, no fault, but they want to better the dog because they want an easier life. But for us, it's like we look at her during these moments and you can see how much she's stressing out. And I, I don't want her to feel that way. Like what? I, it's not a good thing for her. Um, so I just want her to feel more comfortable. And, you know, in the end, if she's the type of dog that, you know, she's wary of strangers or it is a thing that with taller men, it's just something she's not going to get over, then it is what it is. And we know how to work around it. Um, I don't think that's the case, but if it is, you know, if she's not an every you know, human being kind of dog, or she doesn't love every dog. That's okay. Yeah. And something Christine and I talked about when we first, when she first joined reactive redefined and we had our get to know you call was really kind of the kismet timing of you joining, right? Because obviously a lot of dogs who are hitting that social maturity, like one and a half two, I work with, you know, I work with so many adolescent dogs and it's really one of those times that like, yes, we are far beyond early socialization and all of that. But I really find that like the one and a half to two year age range is so crucial. And it's one of those that like, if we can make sure that she feels safe and we can get in there with some behavior modification strategies, we really can. It's, I don't want to say get them over the hump, but I think that if like there was six months from a year and a half to two years old and you did nothing, the likelihood of her being unchangeable is higher right Right. so like the time the timing of you joining was really great for having more hope at at modifying her behavior and helping her feel safer and in loads of environments right um because you know I think that we all bring dogs into our lives because we want to include them in what we're doing Right. We don't ever bring a dog into our lives like, okay, cool. You stay at home. Not a big deal. Right. So like this is really your attempt to like, okay, 
if we really have to make her world small, we can do it, but can we prevent that from being the future? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the work that we have done together throughout Reactive Redefined. So obviously there were a couple of priorities, right? We wanted to make sure that the leash reactivity was a little bit more manageable. You could be closer to dogs because you took the free mini course, right? And you started implementing some of that and that you were getting some progress there. It was just really closing that literal distance. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the distance, you know, in the beginning of the course was probably, I don't know, anywhere between 30 to 50 feet. Um, Now we don't typically pass by a dog, like on the same, you know, uh, block or whatever uh, side of the street, I guess we probably can, but we don't, we're not pushing her that, that far yet. Um, But we can safely be, I don't know, 15 to 20 feet away from the dog now. Uh, most of the time, there are some dogs that just set her off for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because they're male or what it is. We haven't figured that part out yet. Um, yeah, yeah, she's she's a, she's an interesting girl. Um, yeah, so we've definitely narrowed the distance, which is great. I can see her body language is much more relaxed. Like I, I you know, with the course, I've noticed body language a lot. You've placed a lot of emphasis on that. And it's such a, like, it's such a helpful thing to notice because once you pick up on it, it's like, that's all you look for. You look for those cues and you know, okay, I got to make distance or she's okay. Yeah. Right. And I think it's like the knowing on our part, right? Like you knowing her body language, what her baseline is when she's starting to get stressed, when she's really loose and happy, like that's the the core of everything that we do together. Like you have to understand what those things mean. And then we were like inserting like training plans, right? So there's like a flow chart, right? Like Shushi's behavior, body language is displaying stress. Cool. We're going to do this plan. She looks really relaxed. Cool. We're going to do this plan. And I think that that's something that's so valuable about reactive redefined is that We give you loads of strategies, but we help you understand when and where you need to actually use those strategies. And like, I mean, I want to hear from you on this because I feel like so many people come to us and they have a lot of knowledge. Like that's the cool thing about social media is that so many people are sharing tips and tricks. So it's like, you kind of understand some of like the concepts, you know what I mean? But then it's kind of like, but how do I actually do that appropriately with my dog? depending on the situation. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, aside from, you know, when we upload videos and you give back like the feedback that that is amazing. That is so helpful. Um, I know it's helpful for you too. Otherwise, you know, giving feedback is so hard to not be able to see what's going on with the dog and things like that. Um, So that's been really helpful. Um, The videos. Yeah. I think it was part of the free course, right? The videos that are up. Yeah. Um, And then one thing that's really helped us is the touch game, the nose touch game. That is something, honestly, that I hadn't seen in any, I mean, and I've gone down like so many rabbit holes. I haven't haven't really seen that in many training videos. She knew touch, but I didn't know how to implement it into, you know, when she's having a moment or, you know, having her recover from a moment or, you know, kind of gauging if she's okay. And it's really been helpful for us. It's great. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, The fact that she already had a lot of skills under her belt, 
right? Like she had a lot of basic manners that she was responding to in a pretty vast majority of situations. And the cool thing about that too, is that like, you don't have to feel overwhelmed. Like you need to teach all of these things. I actually, I'm always like, okay, what does the dog know? What do you know? What are your cues? What are you doing? So that we can leverage that. And obviously there's new skills and stuff that we introduce too. But um, do you want to speak a little bit like how I helped you understand like some of the strategies that you already had, but how you could actually use them to troubleshoot some of the reactivity? Yeah, sure. Let me let me think here which one, because there's been so many and it's been a long time. I feel like I've been in this course for like a year. It's great. I know, right? <laughs> um, let me let me think. I guess one of the ones, so I guess one of the questions that I had for you was how do I know if I can kind of get closer because it seems like she, we're narrowing the distance and she's okay. She seems relaxed. And one of the strategies you worked on with me, I think you called it like the V, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Where you, yeah. So, okay. We see a trigger. We don't like run to it, but like we kind of, you know, narrow the distance, see if we can get a little bit closer and see how she does. That has been really helpful engaging like when that trigger, when that like stress level starts to kick in. So that's a strategy that has really been great for us. At first, she didn't like it, but we're doing it more now. um, And it's been great. Yeah, Yeah. right. Well, and it's like she already had the foundation of walking at your side on cue, right? You already built that. Right. So I was like, okay, ask her to do that, but you can do this directional thing towards the trigger for a short amount of distance and then move away from it. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's one of those that like in the group, right in the group, all the dogs are at different levels. They have different triggers, they have different skills, but it's one of those that like, there always just seems to be a theme. You know what I mean? So it's like in the group calls, it's like, Ooh, okay. We're closing thresholds, everyone. This is how we do it. And it's so fun to like help everyone understand, like, this is the overarching concept, except for this is how you should do it with Shushi. This is how maybe someone in the other group should do it with their dog. So there's like those overarching concepts that we get to narrow in into you and your individual dog. So do you want to speak just a little bit more about the group calls? Like, obviously the group calls are really beneficial because you get to connect with other people who get it, but what else did you like about the group calls? Um, I just feel like it's a wealth of information. Um, A lot of times, you know, I come up with questions that I want to ask. I should probably write them down. I guess I, I don't do that, but you know, other other uh, clients, they ask the question that I was thinking of, and it kind of just jogs my memory. And it's just also interesting to see, you know, the different strategies that people are using. Um, it is sometimes like inspirational, like, oh, I never thought of it that way, or maybe I should consider doing that, or let's see how that works with Shushi. Um, and then just like you said, I mean, that feeling of, I don't want to say misery loves company. It's not a miserable thing, but you know, that feeling of you're not alone because it is, it's really hard. It's, it's very difficult. Um, it's in essence, kind of like a support group, which is great. Um, and then you always do a good job of making us feel like it's okay. Like nothing is really like a huge setback. Like it's all right. Like we're human beings. Um, it's just a very real environment. And that's something I, I really appreciate about these group calls. Oh my God, they're seriously the best. And yeah. like, I think what's so cool, like in addition to like having that support system, right? That like you have a safe place to talk about what's really happening. It's also like being there to like 
get to know everyone and progress and being like, damn, it's been like three weeks and you all are already making that much progress, right? Like, I don't know about you, but it restores my faith in like the fact that the way we're choosing to train these dogs is in fact the most efficient and most joyful way to do it. Because I don't think that joyful training for reactivity like seems possible, (laughs) right? Like when you're in the thick of it, you're like, how could it be joyful to be attached to a dog who's losing their shit? But it is, right? Like we get to open up that joy so you guys get to work together and in turn, you know, decrease some of the the lungy barky things. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's, It's very rewarding. You know, you feel good about it. And, you know, lately... I mean, it, in a way it's taught me to be more calm. Um, you know, at first it's really stressful when you don't know what is going on. Like I've never been around a reactive dog. Um, no one in my family has had a reactive dog. So it was all very new to us. And at first it's like, what is going on? Like, this is insane. But now it's like, oh my God, she's getting better. Like, yes, we got this. Like we can do it. Like, it's all right. Like, I don't know. It's just a really good feeling. I think when, if you're willing to put the time in, it's a really good feeling. Well, and that is always the goal. That has always been the intention with the group calls is that you walk away feeling like, all right, we got this. Like we can do this. And Um, I think I inadvertently said it's a really good feeling and it's a good feeling. Yeah. Dog training company. So very on purpose. It's very on purpose. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So Um, as far as like the course content goes, so for everyone listening, if you are not familiar with reactive redefined, it works in a couple of parts. One, you gain access to our comprehensive training guide, which is in a virtual format, right? So you, you gain access to that. Then you talk to us one-on-one, you join the group calls, video uploads, and so on and so forth. But when you first got access to the training videos, um, I think a lot of people are surprised how many modules there are for human training versus dog training. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. But then when you get down to it, it really is about the human training. And yeah, so I think it's important. And, you know, there are a lot of videos, but I felt like it was so user friendly and just so easy to go through and just, I don't know, you can get overwhelmed. You know, there's so many videos that you see floating around there. And it's like, wait, how do I do that? Or what did you do? Or, you know, like, slow down. Like, how did you do that? I don't know. It just felt very well explained and thorough. And it just made sense to me. Yeah, those those were great. I I refer to them all. I go back to them all the time just to like, is there anything else I could be doing? Did I miss one of them? So yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, we really cover the whole gamut of reactivity, like all of it is included in there. And you know, it's like, that's something that Steph and I really like talked about in like the planning and, you know, before we even created the content for reactive redefined is we want it to be thorough. We wanted to create a lot of value for you, but also in a content content driven age we don't want to overwhelm you, right? So it's like everything is really condensed into what actually matters and what you need. We don't do a lot of fluff, <laughs> right? Right? Like we don't do a lot of overly explaining things that don't need to be overly explained. And that's something else that's really cool is that like after we talked one-on-one, I directed you to the specific videos in the course that I felt were going to be the most relevant right away. But then, like you said, right? Like as you're going and you're seeing progress, you're like, okay, what could I revisit that maybe we have the bandwidth to put higher on the priority list now? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Very user-friendly. It's just, I keep saying this, it's just everything about this course and you specifically um, has just been very real. Like it doesn't feel so like, I don't know what the word is, uh, commercialized or I don't know. It just, it feels good. It feels good. It feels real. Like you're actually listening. You're actually caring. People are seeing progress. 
Um, the feedback is consistent. Like there's no, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm constantly talking to you. Like, even if I'm not, it's just, there's some sort of connection with this group class. I feel like. Oh my God. It's always so funny in the group calls when someone's like sharing a winner, a challenge. And they're like, you popped into my head. I'm like, good. That's the point. (laughs) Right. Because if you need me to pop into your head to give you the piece of advice, then we've done exactly what we showed up to do. Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about her bike reactivity. Because I think that, you know, you and I both kind of concluded together that the bike reactivity was probably coming from a little bit different emotional space than some of the other reactivity that we were seeing. That like reactivity to the bike was a little bit more like see something, chase it, than it was like. I don't know, horribly terrified. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're right. But it's, it's interesting. I was going to mention this on the next group call, but I can mention it here too. So yeah, at first it definitely looked like it was like a chasing thing because she was doing the like running back and forth on the leash. Like I want to go get it, which is what she does with squirrels. Um, So I was like, okay, like we can work on this, but like, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. Like I see tons of dogs barking at bikes. Of course it's annoying. And like, I don't want her to do that, but that was not high on the priority list at the moment. Um, But what we're noticing lately, we've been seeing a lot of bikes that are parked and she does the same thing when she sees the parked bikes. So that's something new for us. She will like kind of act like she wants to get close to it and then start barking and lunging. And like, it's almost like it's unfamiliar to her, which is crazy because we've seen so many bikes riding in our neighborhood. So now I'm wondering, like, is it also a bit of fear? Because if you're reacting to a stationary bike, then, right, it's, then it's different. It's different. Yeah. So think, it could be both. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think that that's what's so cool about like the duration of the program is that we have three months to kind of learn these things. Yeah. Right. And I think like, as you get more tools to understand her, then you get to put all these pieces together and come to me like, Rachel, this is what we've learned about her this week. Like amazing, super good information. How can we pivot our training plan now? Right. Because I think that like, you know, people think like, oh yeah, I just give you the training plan and you just do it. And we just go like, that is not how it works. We're constantly reevaluating and pivoting the plan, depending on what Shushi's behavior is telling us. Right. Cause right. ultimately it's how she feels about things. She gets to decide. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And when she tells us we get to shift things. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I think too, the stationary bike and lack of early socialization. Yeah. Like now we know it's more than just like the chasey chasey feelings. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, just to your point, um, it's really helped us like compartmentalize and like understand that there are different things, like some things our fear, some things are prey drive, some things is just because, I don't know, the dog, I don't know, whatever set her off, like there's, there's a lot of differences. And working through this course has helped us realize that because in the beginning, you're sitting there like racking your brain, like, oh, it's because, you know, I don't know, a man probably abused her or like this probably happened, or that probably happened. And it's like, we kind of forgot about that. And now we're just like, okay, she's reacting this way, because she's just scared. It doesn't matter what really the background story is like those nitty gritty details don't really matter but you know picking up on is it fear is she you know I don't know in a bad mood or you know those little cues that we picked up on yeah definitely this course has helped us learn that too yeah right and you know I think it's one of those things too that like 
I think well-meaning dog guardians usually come into the program and they're usually like, it's fear. They're terrified of everything. And a lot of that is true, obviously, right? We can read body language. We can understand that the dog is fearful, but like, it's very rare that the dogs that come into the program are afraid of literally every single thing. And that is always the reason, you know, and like, Obviously, we would acknowledge if they're fe- they're fearful, but I think that's what's so cool about the group calls is we really get to like fan out like, okay, she's fearful. Oh, okay. Fe- what body language is telling us that? What else can we gather from that? Is it just fear? Is she conflicted? Maybe she doesn't feel good. Like there's just so many reasons. And I think that that's what's so cool in the group calls is that like, there's a lot of complex dogs in this program and yeah, we get to like yeah. learn and understand from each other. Right. That like, yes, fear is sometimes, sometimes it's frustration. Sometimes it's predatory. And sometimes it's just arch nemesis feelings, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah so yeah. Yep. <laughs> so everyone, that's something that comes up in the group calls a lot, right? Is that like, there is one particular dog or a couple of particular dogs that really set sushi off right like it's not just her it's lots of dogs but you know I think tell the listeners how you feel about this but like I think when you you brought that up in a group call and every and I was like raise of hands whose dog has nemesis dogs we all like raise our hands you're like oh okay cool so this happens to a lot of dogs (laughs) yeah exactly I mean you know I'm a human and I, I guess I don't necessarily have to like everyone either but I I can explain why her it's just you know barking lunging and you know I don't know what it is but that's okay I mean right and like I think that that's something else too that like we are not always going to know why yeah <laughs> and sometimes that is okay sometimes we don't always have to know why right and it's like those particular dogs you know them you create extra extra space you have training techniques to work through them right like it is okay she doesn't have to love everybody but she does have a lot of dog friends and she is very social, right? So like, I love how you've been able to expand that aspect of her world and something else that I feel like you, you knew before you joined reactor redefined, but something I think we were able to just understand highlight, maybe leverage a little bit is that when she is meeting other dogs and they're strangers, that's not particularly hard for her. Yeah, most of the time it's not hard for her. Um, typically what we do, because sometimes she can have, she's a very, I don't want to say aggressive greeter. It, and it's not excited greeter. She isn't an intense greeter yeah. sometimes with some dogs. She has very intense initial reactions. You know, she'll sniff and then like all of a sudden be very intense about it. And we're still trying to understand what that is. I'm still trying to get a video of it for you to show you. Um, it might be, it might be coming from a place of fear, um, kind of like, you know, like putting up a defense, like being an alpha dog, like, hey, like, don't mess with me, but let's play. I don't know. We're still figuring it out. But um, yeah, she's otherwise she's pretty good with almost all dogs, which is great. Um, we don't really have her say hi to every dog on the leash as of now. I don't even think we'll ever really have to do that or want to do that. I don't think it's really necessary. Um, but with the dogs that she's friends with, um, we do work on the reactivity because she gets excited to see them. So there is that reactivity too. So we work mm-hmm. on that with her too, you know, have her calm down, sit and wait until the other dog approaches. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of training to be done. This is also another thing, a lot of training to be done, even with, you know, dogs or humans that she already does know. 
um, kind of setting expectations. I think you mentioned that on a call and like how they should act. Like it's okay if it's someone that she already knows. You're kind of setting those boundaries and expectations. Right, right. Well, and I think that like, you know, there's this very like popularized like mindset in like the positive reinforcement dog train training community, which isn't all bad, but I think that you know, there's so much like, okay, give them choices, acknowledge that they're having a hard time, get their out, get them out of the situation, which is all really good advice, except for when we're working in situations where the dog isn't feeling particularly overwhelmed, they're not terribly fearful, right? And like, just understanding the difference between like the headspace that Shushi is in and what that means as far as like being consistent about some of her trained behaviors or when she's having a really hard time when we're like, cool, this doesn't matter right now. We need to get you feeling safe first. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which I think is a very complicated balance to strike as a dog guardian. Yeah. Like understanding that like, yes, we do want to stay consistent for like the most part, except for <laughs> yeah. if X, Y, or Z is happening for your particular dog. Right. So like, I love being able to give you the permission to make it easier for her if that's what she needs, but also on the flip side of that pushing criteria when it's necessary. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, another thing I, I, this is kind of random, but another thing that I really like about what you do is you, you kind of remind us that it's okay to like tell someone like, for example, Shushi is scared of taller men. A lot of the dogs that she's friends with, the males that walk her are tall. Um, and sometimes they like go to like pet her and you know at, in the beginning I was like okay well yeah I guess she kind of like knows them so it's okay but you reminded me you're like well Christine like you know she's scared of you know bigger men so it's okay to like kind of tell the person like hey like listen she's not ready for she's not comfortable like I'm working on it so yeah that's another thing that's helped I've been I've been kind of doing that because I noticed when they would go to pet her she would kind of pull away but not no reaction, but I could tell it was not easy for her. So that's another thing we're working on. And slowly but surely, she is warming up to those men. She, I'm noticing that she is going up to them now. It's on her terms. Um, but I still ask them to not, you know, reach down and pet until she's like, you know, I guess full blown, like licking you and whatever, like that will be your okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that we really talked about is that like, because of her age, because of her history, we needed to be really, really careful that as many experiences with trigger people could be as positive as we could possibly make them, right? Because like, while she was tolerating some of the reaching, while she was tolerating some of the petting, we knew that that could add up, well, I guess I should say subtract from everything you've been trying to do, right? Yeah. Like it was one of those that we really had to, to set it up so that Shushi felt like those tall men with hats were predictable and listened mm -hmm. to what she had to say and didn't continually override what she was trying to communicate to them. Right. 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 Which is not always an easy thing to be like, do not touch the dog. Like, yeah, no, it's not, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. And like we talked about in her age range too, I felt like it was exponentially important for her to have back to back to back to back experiences with people where they listened to her and she felt safe. Right. Because the more of those that she can have, that's when we start to see her being like, okay, maybe I'll yeah. sniff you. That's cool. Yeah. I feel good about that. Yeah. Right. So, and, you know, I think that she does 
like people. She has a lot of human friends. She can be really successful with people. Right. And it's, you know, I think that she is definitely the reactive stranger danger dog, not the like going to take it to like, I'm going to bite you. You know what I mean? Like she's not really, she's not there. And that's why it was so important. Like we're not stopping with people exposure. (laughs) Like we're going to keep them safe and predictable, but no, like don't stop. We need to keep up with this for her as an individual. So everyone who is listening, please remember this Everything that I'm saying is specific to Christine and Shushi, okay? So that's what we love about Reactive Redefined is we get to know you, we get to give you specific advice because general dog training advice on the internet is so cool. Like, I'm so proud of the positive reinforcement community for, like, showing up so strong on social media, but that can never be a replacement, (laughs) right? For, like, working with a trainer who takes a thorough behavior history and knows and supports you along the way. Okay, so, Christine, do you have... Any final thoughts for reactive dog guardians who are maybe listening and maybe they have a dog who's her age and they're like, I don't know, is it worth the investment? What do you think? Um, it is definitely worth the investment. I mean, if I haven't made it, <laughs> made it clear with all the positive things I've been saying, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, said that I want to do this with you, you know, do this little podcast with you if I didn't think that it was worth it. Um, I know I already mentioned the cost was, it's totally fair. There's a ton of programs out there. I've done so much research and there are so many things that are just like out of control expensive. I know for a lot of people, that's a concern, including myself. Um, So aside from that, the group support is great. Even the Facebook group, everybody is so nice. If you ask a question, like every a million people answer, you're amazing with your responses, the feedback you give on the videos. It really feels like though we do have those group calls, which are awesome, it does feel like a very tailored experience. So it's like a really unique blend of everything coming together. Um, So I definitely do think it's worth it. And just as like a general recommendation, this is something I kind of tell myself too. I just feel like if you put, if you really just put in the work if every walk is kind of a training session, that's the way we treat it right now. Every single walk is a training session. Um, even in the house, we do training sessions. I mean, and you only really need to do, I mean, I don't know, 10 to 30 minutes a day. Um, but of course, remember to take breaks for yourself. You're human too. But if you just put in that work for a year or whatever, two years, three years, you're going to have then a really happy, healthy dog for the span of their whole life. So it is just, it's so worth it to put in that effort. Um, And I think with you, you've kind of helped us see that and just provided us such great resources and such great feedback and knowledge. And it's just been really great all around. And I think, you know, our group members would kind of attest to that too. Yes. Oh my God. Well, and for her, it's like, she has a long life ahead of her and you've spent all this time and energy now, like it's only going to get easier. Yeah. Right. Like, yes, it's going to be complicated, but easier complicated. Right. 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 And I think one more thing to add, I think maybe what a lot of people don't, and I did not realize this at first, her reactivity, I didn't realize how much it was affecting her personally. You know, I didn't, I didn't think of it as, oh my God, like she is stressing so much on the inside. At first I was like, God, like what is wrong with her? Like, oh, she's just crazy. But when you really get down to it and like, you know, everyone loves their dog and you want your dog to feel good. So that, that also is a really motivating factor. 
Well, yeah, because I mean, it's like, obviously, you all loved each other and had a good life before. But I feel like your commitment to keeping up with her training, I think it's just exponentially increased the quality of life for both of you. For sure. Right? Right? Yeah. Because I think it's really easy for there to be that friction. Like, why are you such a turd? Why are you doing this? Oh, my yeah. God. Here we go again. And no one wants that relationship with their dog. I mean, right. I certainly don't. I don't want to feel like that, right? That I'm constantly like, and telling people like, oh, yeah, they're just kind of an asshole. They're like this on leash. Like, no, 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 no. That is not the story at all. Right. And I'm so proud of of you and Shushi because you were working beautifully as a team before you showed up in Reactive Redefined. And I feel like we really have just given you the tools just to take things to the next level. Yeah, exactly. I was feeling a little overwhelmed and I needed I needed some direction. So you definitely provided us that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay, Christine, um, are you on Instagram? Do you want to share your handle with other reactive dog guardians? I don't have Instagram. Okay. Well, when you create one, you let me know and I will share it with the listeners. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yes, I know. I had it a while ago, got rid of it. And now I'm thinking of getting it back specifically because of the dog. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Right. It's like the dog, the reactive dog Instagram community is pretty rad. Yeah. Oh okay. Christine, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know everyone's really going to love it. Thank you, Rachel. Listen, we've all been there. You take your dog on an adventure and it is not carefree and fun like you hoped it would be. We love adventuring with our dogs, but we know there is so much more to it than going places and taking the good pictures. So if you have an adventure dog and you're struggling with some of their training, our comprehensive course content can give you all of the information you need to make huge strides in your adventure dog training. Whether your adventures include hiking, camping, stand-up paddleboarding, we have content just for you. In addition to our comprehensive course content, we host monthly group Q&As so that you can get answers to your training questions from experts like Steph and myself. So if you have an adventure dog and training has not been going like you hoped, check out Adventure Dog Academy that opens for enrollment on July 1st. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.